BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham. Once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, this is an awesome one, Mr. Iron and Wine himself, Sam Bean, is on the show. The guy that composed the song that I and, and, and Lauren... Uh, we had our first wedding dance, too, uh, and, you know, now I get to talk to him about punk. You know, what a great show. Anyway, more on that in a second, but first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me at turned at a punk podcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on various forms of social media at left for Damien. If you would like to support the show, the best way to do that is by going over to iTunes and subscribing to this podcast or wherever you're listening to it, subscribe to it, follow it, and then re- give it a five-star review. That would be awesome. Thank you very much for doing that to all you people that do that because I know a lot of you do and I really appreciate it. Uh, also, if you use Facebook and you want to support the show, you can follow it on Facebook. There's a Facebook page. There's an Instagram page now for Turned Out a Punk. They're all by, run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham, and he will uh, get any messages to me on those various platforms. And so you, you can follow all that stuff at Turned Out a Punk. Speaking of support... This show would not be possible without the awesome support of the fine folks at Vans and House of Vans. They came aboard last year, and they were just like, just keep doing your podcast. Do whatever you do. Book who you want to book, and uh, we're just going to you know, let you do it uh, so you're not losing money on it, which is amazing because trust me. 
sucked losing money doing this podcast. And now it's, it, I'm not doing that anymore. And also, even better, they've just announced a whole schedule of House of Vans events in Chicago and New York. Uh, you can find those at houseofvans.com. And there is, oh my gosh, there are some amazing shows. This summer, I will be going out to a couple of them and be doing live Turn It Up Punks. More info on that very soon. Um, but you can see there's a huge range of artists, not all punk, in fact, but all awesome. And uh, so go check those out. You got to get on those RSVPs things early because they do fill up. And these shows are always fun. I've been to, gosh, I think I've been going to House of Vans now for like 10 years. Recently, I met that uh, group Horror, and they were telling me, like, yeah, I saw you way back in the day. When you open, uh, or when you play with the Cro-Mags, I should say, at the uh, House of Vans, and I'm like, the Cro-Mags at the House of Vans? That wasn't back in the day. That was like a couple years ago. But then I'm like, oh, wait, maybe it was like, carry the one. (laughs) It was a a long time ago. I guess it was back in the day, as long as you're not older like myself. And then it was really recent. Really recent in the day. Um, But anyway, thank you so much to Vans and House of Vans. Those are a fantastic time, and those will be coming up throughout the summer months. Summer is here. I'm keeping my voice down right now because I'm in a hotel room in Quebec. Uh, But I, I had to get you this podcast, everyone. I had to make sure that you had in your in your hot little hands this conversation with Sam Bean. Now, Sam is someone who, you know, one of the great songwriters of a generation. I know many artists that are influenced by uh, Sam as a songwriter. And, um, you know, and I, and I'm, God, I've had my first wedding dance to one of the Iron and Wine kind of classic songs as well. But, you know, you know when you hear about someone being into punk rock, and you're just like, I gotta, I gotta pick away at this scab. I gotta get more information. So, Sam over the years has done these interviews where he talked about being into punk rock, and finally, through the amazing work of the incredible people at Sub Pop and my brother Tristan, show producer Tristan Abraham, uh, also hustling, making this happen because he was like, I want to hear this happen. He's a huge fan. And we did it. We did it, and it's awesome. There are some really cool, cool punk connections on this one. And a connection to, like, a, a type of punk, a type of hardcore, type of aggressive music that I'm a huge fan of. Um, I'm not going to blather on. I'm going to let you listen to this. But I assure you, if you are only familiar with Iron and Wine's music, you are in for a treat. We talk about some cool other stuff, too. So this is going to be a fun one. Uh, I'm not going to go on too much longer, everyone. Oh, yeah, notes this week. Eric Ike is the f- singer of Corrosion Cor- of Conformity. That's probably like not the pronunciation of his last name, too. So I really apologize who passed away, who sang on Eye for an Eye that I bring up, but I did not give his name. So once, once again, rest in peace, Eric. Um, and I think that's it for notes this week on the show. Uh, so sit back, relax, and enjoy Sam Bean, a.k.a. Iron and Wine, on Turn Out a Punk. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Hey, Damien, thanks for having me. Well, as I was just telling you off air, you know, like this is a big one for me because as I said, you were my, my wife and I's first dance. <laughs> You're very kind. That's cool, man. I'm glad I could be there for you. Well, and as I was also <laughs> saying off air though, we will not be, bo- I will not be bothering you with my wedding stories or any of that junk. <laughs> We're gonna be <laughs> diving into. Oh some... man, it's always a treat to you know. You never know where your music ends up. You put it out there, and you never know who it who you know has a relationship with it after that. So it's always fun to hear those kinds of things. It's wonderful. Well, as I was as I was like you know thinking about that today, I was also <laughs> thinking that you've probably been a lot of people's wedding music at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Weddings, divorces, <laughs> all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, they're they're life songs. Yeah, it's funny like how people seem to interact with my music. It's a pretty private thing. So it's a it's been interesting <laughs> over see, the years, some of the stories that you get. See, unfortunately, my band, uh, there's only one way they normally react, which is a very visceral <laughs> walk out of the room kind of reaction. <laughs> Devil horns. Yeah, Devil yeah. Up. When you're in a band called Fucked Up, you know, there's only a lot of choices uh, that you're giving the audience. <laughs> specific reaction. You're very specific. For. Yeah. Um, it's but, cool, though. Well, I want to find out all about you, though. So I want to start off the way I start all these off, which is... Sam, how'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Yeah, man. I was, um, you know, it was just in the water. I grew up in the late 70s, early 80s, and that's that's when it hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, I liked to skateboard, and so what we listened to was Seven Seconds and, you know, every, all the all the skate punks. Um, I didn't really know what, I mean, I, I didn't know the history of it. You know, I was also too young. You just sort of take what, what hits you and you absorb it without really, you know, understanding the context or anything. I mean, I heard the Ramones and stuff, but I didn't really know about like a New York punk scene or anything. It was just, mine was more like the early eighties and heard all those older bands, but at the same time, didn't really know the context. We just loved it because it was energetic and awesome. (laughs) It was also fun to play. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you didn't have to, no any complicated chords you could just get in and make a racket with your buddies and and you were making music it was so fun so i guess yeah like where you, you when did you first get into skateboarding do you remember when you like first kind of became aware of i like i guess it was just around but like skateboarding culture you know really yeah. coalesced in the early 80s yeah i mean i was growing up in south carolina um a very <laughs> pretty far from Southern California, uh, and so it took a little while. But, but we got it. You know, I remember like 1983, 84. We were making a little cardboard, cardboard little skateboards and playing on our desks and skinning our knees in the afternoon. Um, you know, with the Trans World magazine and stuff. By the time it it hit, we we got it. <laughs> Actually, you because you grew up in South Carolina, like. Did you remember like any news reports or seeing any of the news reports about the six that Sex Pistols tour? Or you're probably too no, young was, for that. I was right? a bit young for that one. Yeah, I was I was still sucking my thumb back then. Did At they... the same time, yeah, what a bizarre place to play a show. Yeah, <laughs> the Sex Pistols to play a show. That one in Texas, just strange. That music was around, you know, just sort of part of that culture. And because it wasn't, you know, an internet culture then, it was more a social group and you know the cassettes got passed around and it was very like secret handshake kind of but at the same time something we all celebrated and bonded on 
Uh, was there uh, like a particular kid that like introduced you to any of these bands that you remember or like was it just kind of like all you guys uh, getting into it at the same time yeah i think the punk rock i mean i remember a, a friend of another friend's dad introduced me to other music later like velvet underground and stuff but the punk rock stuff was a little bit earlier and more yeah i don't remember I, i'm sure there was like some instigator but I, my memory is just we were all in on it <laughs> <laughs> so what were about local bands what were some of the local bands that were happening at the time um i wasn't i wasn't really aware of those things in the early 80s i mean by the time i was in high school there was a bunch from columbia and charleston uh and i ended up playing with a bunch of them. <laughs> um but um but i didn't remember you know my memory of that early time was so, um, you know, just us obsessed with the magazines and learning the tricks mm-hmm. on the skateboards and just jamming out to, um, uh, you know, everything that came came through, COC and like all this. Yeah, the Sex Pistols were a big one. Uh, the Ramones, like all the – we were just game. That's also we didn't really know – there was no filter. It was just whatever came through and it was – and it was heavy or fast. We were just way into it. Yeah, well, COC, like that's, you know, that's like pretty heavy. <laughs> one of the best bands ever, you know, <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, like, you know, uh, the original singer just passed away last week, right? I think. Oh, or, no. Or two Is weeks right? ago. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. It's, it's kind of, it's unfortunate because that, even that, they're a band that existed in so many stages. Yeah. Like yeah, they're like, they were one you could sort of watch the development. Yeah, absolutely. And like changed and, and became like, you know, like what they are now is, is something very different than they were in the very beginning. Do you remember the first shows you went to? Uh, I didn't really have money to go to shows. <laughs> I do remember seeing Fagazi um, when I was in college, though. I went to college in Richmond and Fagazi, all the local bands were like Fagazi worshipers. It was great. <laughs> if you didn't couldn't see Fagazi, you could see anybody else. Um uh, and they played a show, like a free show, outside of our college, and like they closed the streets off and stuff. It was crazy, super fun. When did you start playing music? Um, I started playing. Probably I was like thirteen or fourteen, mm-hmm. playing. You know, it was acoustic guitar around, and so we would play like the punk rock songs on our acoustic guitars. <laughs> <laughs> but I was by that time I was into you know all kinds of different stuff, whatever, you know, classic rock and. Um, Whatever you want to call it, new wave, alternative, whatever. It was all, it was all a big melting pot at that point. Well, yeah. What were some of the other bands you were into at that point? Well, REM was a big deal because they were kind of pseudo local. Um, you know, we sort of claimed them as our as our local band. <laughs> uh, you know, our generation's like classic rock, um, whatever college rock kind of stuff. Um, that was a big one where I came from, but also country music and. Heavy metal, all kinds of stuff. What were some of the metal bands you were into? Um, at that time, I mean, in high school, high school was when Nirvana hit. I mean, I was into like the punk rockers, you know, Husker Du and all those things that kind of came with the college radio stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, by the time I was in high school, all the grunge, I love the genre names. It's like when you get an official <laughs> genre name, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's, it's, uh, it's for real yeah um so when the genre coalesced into <laughs> into you know the pixies and nirvana stuff that was that was kind of what was going on in high school were, were there like a lot of kids in your high school that were into 
like, you know, when that music kind of hit, cause I, when I was in high school, it felt like, you know, you'd hear about it now and you look at the way the music history has been written. You'd think that every kid in your high school was into that stuff, but I'm like, no, nah, it wasn't like no, that. <laughs> yeah. Not, no, that was a big transition, man. They love the hair metal. Yeah. I and mean, you know, I thought it was fun too. I mean, you know, solo guitar solos and explosions are cool, man. <laughs> but, but, uh, but it was fun to see, you know, the punk rockers get their due, um, and be embraced in a wider way. Um, well, yeah, it was definitely like a big transition um, where for the longest time it was just we were listening. I liked all kinds of stuff, and I got along with everybody, too. So, you know, you sort of float around in these different groups defi- that define themselves by the music that they listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of lucky to be able to float around. And, but it was definitely like only one group that was listening to, you know, the weirder, you know, Sonic Youth and stuff. And yeah. so it was fun to see, you know them sort of be you know validated in a way by their popularity and other people give it a chance and sort of embrace this sort of stranger more expressive style yeah like i think your kids are older than my kids um but it like from what i've kind of observed it doesn't seem like it's as much defined as it was oh, back no. then no i don't think so at all i think um they have everything I mean, you know, hip hop is super popular. Yeah. You know, there's definitely people who are aware of what's super popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not quite so, it doesn't seem quite so, the camps aren't so well defined. Like you can, it's cool to like those things and it's cool to, you know, because they have everything is accessible all the time. So it's cool to go on these, um, you know, go follow the rabbit hole and see what <laughs> you find. That's, you know, the, the music that's out there. There's so much out there. And so, you do see people like who are into it, um, you know, joining together and saying like, check this out, check this out. But it's not quite, it don't, yeah, they don't wear their, wear their badges the same way we used to. (laughs) And I wonder if it's like you said, like if it's that access to everything all at once, so you don't have to choose. Cause like, you know, you're limited by financial. Can you imagine what that would be like? Oh my gosh. I would never have come out of my room. I don't think, I think I would just been sitting there with speakers over my head. The whole time, uh, I find I mean, it. I find it same time. I, yeah, I mean, at the same time, I think you. I I feel like you listen more intently because you didn't have so many options. You know, like it's hard enough to dis, to decide what show you're going to watch now, let alone like get through a whole one. Um, but music, I feel, is just kind of the same. You like really absorbed it because you had these three tapes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like if you got something you would dissect it like those first mixtapes yeah. that people would give you with those, with oh, those man. bands on it. You'd, you'd listen to every word you try and, because that would totally, be, you just be, a broad continent to discover, to discover, explore yeah. and find every nook and cranny. Yeah. You just want to like hear as much as you could from everything because you, you wouldn't be, you know, God knows when the next time you'd have access to that kind of information would be. So yeah. You, yeah. But yeah, you're right now. It's like, <clears throat> It would be overwhelming. Like it's overwhelming for me, and and I'm and I've already kind of like established what I yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely different. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think people are still just as passionate about stuff. It's just I can't imagine what it would have been like to have that many many choices. Mm-hmm. I definitely would, you know, given the opportunity, I would definitely jump on it. But I definitely recognize, you know, what was good about the way that we came up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think it 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 allows you to, I don't know, maybe they just consume information differently now. It's like mm-hmm. it's not like a better or worse thing. It's just like yeah. 
the new reality. Yeah. Although I do feel like we sound a bit like, it's so funny to think of the way that we listened to music back then and, and, and feeling like we had lots of options. I, I still feel like we're, we sound like our parents like going, I remember when we had two <laughs> stations on the radio and it only came in between six and eight thirty. you know, <laughs> it's just so, so funny. Well, our kids are going to be a bit like, I remember when I was a kid and we only had millions and millions of options. Yeah. 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 I had to use a, I had to use a device. Now yeah. you just like blink a few yeah. times and you change the channel. Now you just have a thought and that becomes yeah. a TV show. Yeah. yeah. I have a musical sensation, not actually like having to spend the time to actually listen to something. Yeah. It's, it's. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's definitely like a complete cultural shift in everything because of yeah. uh, the information. Like I'm I'm sitting in a room, literally surrounded by dead formats. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like thousands of tapes, you can smell thousands all of the records. Music. Oh, it's like it's just amazing <laughs> when I look around, and it's just like it's like th- these will one day be the equivalent of digging up broken pieces of pottery. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I feel going. I wonder what that was for. Yeah, what, what would, why would someone have the same record on five different formats? That doesn't make any. What, what was wrong with these people back then? Um, um, but you kind of you do go to you move to actually sorry before you moved to Richmond, you mentioned you played in bands. What was the first band you played in? Oh well, I didn't really play. You know, we didn't have any like organizational ideas. It was just you know <laughs> friends getting together and either playing Joy Division songs or Sex Pistols or whatever, uh, or making up our own. You know, there's only so many chords that we knew, but you can make a lot of songs out of them. Did you guys ever uh, name what you did at all or no? Um, not really. I mean, there was different people. Um, you, know, you know, it was just sort of a loose... I just don't think we had enough discipline to <laughs> actually, <laughs> you know, get past just our just enthusiasm. <laughs> which is weird because like yeah. you, you're you know you, like a lot of stuff i've read about you over the years it makes a point about how disciplined you are as uh, a songwriter eyes man fake news no <laughs> no i mean i i just like lo- i love doing it you know it doesn't yeah. feel like work it just feels like you know following your enthusiasm it became when it became when i got a recorder it became more organized because then i was making something i like making things and so mm-hmm. when it became a recording and i could sort of listen and adjust things and manipulate the thing, the recording, then it became, I got a lot more enthusiastic about it. So do you, you never recorded yourself even back then with your friends and on boom boxes and stuff? No, not really. Oh yeah. Like we would put the recorder, but it was, you know, I, I guess it's just unfocused and it was more about just playing and having fun. What were your own songs like back then? Super great. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, you know, so they were kind of angry. Some of them were fast, some were more melodic. Um, that would be interesting to get a hold of some of that stuff, though. Yeah, that's what, what I'm we, thinking. I wonder what we sang about. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, what was, what were your, like, were you, like, going for that kind of more Husker Du kind of REM melodic well, side or that COC side or? Uh, you know, it it depended. They were all, it was all kind of big hodgepodge. Sometimes someone, it depended on who we were playing with too. Like some people like more bluesy stuff. Some people like more faster, hardcore stuff. Um, we got to find these tapes, I, Sam. I know, man. It's like the, the search is on. This is, but that would be fun. Though. I have no idea what we sang about it. That would be so, that would be interesting. I'm sure we were mad about something. 
Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we were mad about Reagan. Reagan, <laughs> a lot of a lot of the uh, vinyl inches that surround me right now are dedicated to songs about Reagan. <laughs> That's right. He was very provocative. I he, can only imagine what the what the punk rockers now are singing about a big golden waft of hair. <laughs> it's it's weird to think about now, but we are living in like a, a like a an MDC song, like. Everything yeah. these teenagers were singing about in the eighties was yeah. true and has come to bear now. Totally. Totally. You know, in a certain way, for sure. Um Yeah. Didn't punk rock didn't have its <laughs> have its revolutionary moment. I mean, I think there was a revolution and you know, people became aware of things. There's only so much that those social revolutions can do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um you know. But also, you know, the two-party thing, you know, the progressive ideas push forward, then they get pushed back. You know, it just goes, this, the seesaw just keeps going. The swing set just keeps keeps creaking along um, because you don't have any other options. It just goes forward, backward, forward, backward. But those voices are so important, especially for young kids who don't, you know, you're just sort of getting your idea of how things how, th- how you know how things work mm-hmm. it's important to get like more progressive ideas even if they're they're mad you know kids have have a lot of things to be mad about yeah no it, it, even but even like i'm from canada and mm-hmm. where we are it's super like, mad yeah but no but it's the same thing like we have the same <laughs> right now it's very interesting to see what's happening in, in canada and i was talking to i was just recently i'm doing a tv show about wrestling and i was in mexico mm-hmm. filming some stuff Oh, wow. And, and talking to people in Mexico, and it's the same thing that's happening there. It's almost like because of what's happening with Donald Trump right now, all the mm-hmm. other world leaders are able to kind of hide in plain sight where yeah, a lot of the – like, yeah, a lot of stuff they wouldn't get away with before they can get away with now because yeah. it, they're just like, well, I'm not that guy. Yeah, that's that's true too. Yeah, at least I'm not that. Yeah, um, yeah that is unfortunate. I mean, that is unfortunate. I mean, I'm just hoping – that it's all just kind of a big zit, <laughs> like the last gasp of like this old fucking ideas that just sort of get drawn to the surface so you can clean them away and do something else. That, but, you that's know, a think, great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, you know, unfortunately things push forward and then people react to that and step backwards and then push forward. I'm glad I'm not in public policy though. <laughs> Same. It's it's funny because like you know um, I was talking to someone last night who works in the wrestling business and it's it's amazing how many professional wrestlers are transitioning into politics right now because oh, yeah. unlike musicians that is a profession that's perfect for the transition into politics. <laughs> it is amazing like how much we've embraced you know the sort of show business and. Um, politics, how there is that side, and it seems seems to be now people have no problem accepting those similarities where they used to used to look a bit slant eyed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's amazing how it's been a talk about a cultural shift, but like yeah, like the infotainment uh, yeah. era of public policy is upon yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, for better for worse, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's not talk about where here we are. Let's talk about where we were. Um, <laughs> when you moved, so uh, eventually you you moved to Richmond to go to university or college, right? Yeah, yeah. I went to art school there, VCU. What was the scene like when you in Richmond at the time? Um, 
Well, yeah, Fugazi was king. Yeah. Uh, everybody sounded like Fugazi. I mean, yeah. grunge was still kind of a new thing and hardcore. Beastie Boys, had, you know, it sort of moved into this sort of rock kind of thing. Soul, you know, this sort of funky rock thing. And it was it was cool. It felt fresh and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, also a lot of, yeah, the Fugazi thing was huge. I mean, you know, it was just a stone's throw from D.C., so... It makes sense, but it was great because I was way into it. Did you um, ever see a veil? Yeah. Uh, Eric was my roommate. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the drummer. Uh, but yeah, we, I knew he, Tim and all them. He, Eric also played in Alabama Thunder Pussy, right? Yeah, he sure did, yeah. And Guar was down the street. That was a big deal. Oh, that's um, awesome. So, yeah, it was a fun fun scene. But um but yeah, it was kind of, at the same time, I was diving into like, you know, that was the first time I ever heard Nick Drake. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like a reissue out at the same time. And I was way into the Marshall Tucker band. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're into the Southern southern rock thing. Um, um, but also, um, I mean, that was when some super cool things were happening in Chicago and, you know, it was just sort of all, it was all around. Um, yeah. And everybody that I knew, I guess, cause you know, you're in art school and everybody's into just the arts, this culture stuff that music was always such a big deal. And everyone was sort of passing those things around. I remember PJ Harvey being a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was sort of, sort of a big, big melting pot of lots of different music but at the same time you could go it was a vinyl crate digging time too because everybody was getting rid of those things and for you know you could pick up all kinds of stuff for a buck um nobody wanted vinyl so and since we didn't have any money that's where we got most of our music oh that's awesome what was um like i guess yeah like you know it's funny because people make such a big deal about underground culture in the 80s um Mm -hmm. But like it's really in the '90s that things really got super exciting because it's when you had like you're like talking about you know that Chicago you had the touch and go stuff happening in Chicago yeah you have all the like screeching weasel also happening in Chicago and like hardcore stuff yeah. happening in Chicago you have like you know Fugazi and like mm-hmm. you know Avail which would begat like a whole wave of other bands in, yeah, in their yeah, wake totally. and stuff too it's totally. a lot of cool stuff a lot of like you know interesting things are kind of coming together at that point. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it was really sort of embracing a lot of, um, you know, just jazz, lots of different, you know, it was the first time I felt like anything goes. Mm -hmm. And that was like, um, and, and you were better for it. Like, instead of like carving out exactly what you liked, it was cooler to sort of embrace everything. Um, embrace like this strange you know because we were in art school and like listening to john cage and like embracing like the outer edges of what you could define as you know the destruction of melody mm-hmm. but still understanding it as music you know and um and all these different um world music had sort of blossomed in this way at least our our awareness of it mm-hmm. and so it was like almost like uh, there was this brand new wide horizon of different sounds you could draw in. Um, I thought that was really exciting. And I and I felt like there was a lot of stuff coming from Chicago that was drawing on jazz and some other stuff that I just had no... Jazz was like a dark spot for me because I grew up in, you know, in South Carolina. 
not that there's not jazz there. I mean, there's a great jazz players and listeners that I've discovered since then. Um, but it just it was a dark spot for me because all that was on the radio was either country or REM or you know just whatever hair metal hair metal band was on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to go back and rediscover that, and 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 I found a gateway through a lot of the stuff that was happening in Chicago in a cool way. Um, so you never know where it's gonna where where music's gonna lead. I just find it's always I don't know. I'm just an omnivore that way. I like what's around the corner that I haven't discovered yet more than really, 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 uh, you know, carving out, this is what I like. Cause you never know mm-hmm. change as a person. Were you still playing at this point? Yeah. More so then, um, you know, um, I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of time cause I was really busy with school, but mm-hmm. because we were, um, you know, it's art school. Everyone has a guitar, you know, <laughs> crayon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it was in the, um, I had some people that I played with, um, but never anything too terribly organized. It was fun though. Yeah. And Eric and all them were around the Vale boys and Brian, um, Cox was a roommate of mine. I played the drums and yeah, it was a lot of fun, fun, uh, creative folks. How, how did you meet the? Uh, how, how did you meet these guys? Was it just like random college roommate thing, or was this? Yeah, totally. Oh, crazy! Totally, totally random. I mean, the community is only so so big. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, if you went to one show, you you could meet most people <laughs> on the scene, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, everyone was kind of into lots of different music. So we were, and it was still the time where you were looking for for that culture. You know. I mean, like you would go to Plan Nine Records and meet people, look for go crate digging, but also talk to the people behind the desks, like see what was happening. You know, the same. It was before you know you could just click, 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 and and find all kinds of new music. You were still searching out that that scene and those those sort of those familiar um, interests. Yeah, like what were what were you playing any shows at this point? Were you playing any gigs? Oh or? no, no man, I never played a show until I put out my first record. Really, you never played <laughs> in any of these bands that you did at all? No, no, it was never that organized. It was, was it? just you know for fun, and I, you know I did I'd never I recorded all this stuff in my spare time, and yeah. Then, um, and then the label was like, you know, you should think about going on tour. <laughs> <laughs> And I about froze, you know, because I, I was such an introvert. I had no, no idea how to. I mean, I was excited about the idea of doing it, but I never, never thought about getting on the stage. Hell no. Well, that's like because at the you know when I'm 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 like the least musically talented person in the world, and like <laughs> it was just kind of like <laughs> that's the not true. No, no, but it, it's, that's just the nature of punk is that they want you. You just feel like almost obligated to get up on stage and do it? Was it just like out of a, you know, like this, this sort of like introvert kind of nature that you didn't want to do that? Or is it like, like, why did you kind of never get drawn by that sort of, or bitten by that bug? I should say. Uh, You know, there's certain things that you put your energy towards and certain, certain things that you dream about, but don't really something hems you up. You know, like I said, I was pretty introvert and it wasn't like something that I would like search out to do. Although in the back of my mind, so like, wouldn't that be cool to have a band and play on the stage and stuff? But, you know, it wasn't until someone says, you know, well, if you want to, you know, 
make a a real effort with this thing, you know, you're going to put this record out. If you're going to really do it, you need to get, you know, do it. And so sometimes it just takes a push and a shove. And, um, you know, that's been a long, <laughs> excruciating learning curve attached mm-hmm. to, to putting on shows for me. But at the same time, it's been super rewarding and has informed my music ever since then. Um, you know, playing with different people and just playing for other people instead of just into your microphone. Um, you know, it's about it's about that collaboration, not just with your band members, but also with an audience. Um, it's all, you know, music is so collaborative. Or, you know, I feel like in its best, best, best size it is. Oh, no, I think, uh, like, you know, it keeps coming back to Avail because as p- people that listen to this podcast know, they're a pretty big band for me as a kid. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. to this day. They were, they were great, man. But they yeah, they're so good. They're the band that I think really sums that up. Like you go and see a veil, like the audience is as important almost as yeah. you know, and they're represented on stage by Bo, but like Yeah. But but like it's it it you feel like you're part of that show. Yeah, I never really had a much of a concert going experience before I went to college, you know. Mm. I was just you know, we listened to the tapes and stuff while we were skating and, or, you know, I was, I was way into music, but it was mostly like sort of a, uh, an accessory to my drawing time. You know, I love to draw and do stuff. So you had, I had all these music that I would listen to while I was doing that. Um, but then when I went to college and, you know, you wanted to go out and hang out and, um, that was the first I ever the avail crowd and that whole punk scene was the closest I'd ever seen to what I understood as like sort of deadheads hanging out in the parking lot, just listening to their thing. But there was like beyond, <laughs> beyond the music, you know, it wasn't, yeah. the music wasn't really all that. It was good, but it wasn't, it didn't deserve that. <laughs> you know, it was more like a, a sta- you know, just a social group. They all had the same ideals and, and the music just sort of was this thing that brought them together. And the punk rock shows were the same, I felt like. It was like sort of everybody came together for this idea. And Avail kind of tapped into that thing, this thing that went beyond the music. And it was super cool to see firsthand. Yeah, you're right. Like that's, you know, like not, once again, you don't want to, unfortunately saddle the band with being like grateful dead but at the same time that's like great <laughs> no but it's an apt comparison because I'll it's saddle them up man <laughs> <laughs> but it was like definitely like you know people would travel around and follow them around and see them from show to show and it was like the community that existed around these bands yeah yeah they embraced the uh, yeah the the ideas the culture which created a culture of its own yeah what about Buzz Oven? Did you ever see that band? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. They oh. were good. Oh, um, I could only imagine. There was a couple. There was a bunch of them around. They all, you know, and a lot of them had like the the utilitarian uh, grunge names, you know, like <laughs> they all named themselves after a tool or some kind of action, <laughs> some kind of <laughs> action verb was there. Ratchet or whatever the fuck that <laughs> <laughs> was in the water. Uh, yeah, helmet was a big deal, and the yeah. Melvins too, man. The Melvins were super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of the heavy band. Yeah, you mentioned. I think I think you mentioned before we started talking on the on the on the recording. You mentioned I hate God. That was a big deal. Uh, they came around and made a big racket. What was the I hate God show like? <laughs> 
Uh, it was crazy. Um, I remember getting put in a headlock and wrestled to the ground by a girl. That was super fun. <laughs> you know, because that was the pit was was a crazy, weird place to be. But uh, you know, it's just that was the. It felt really. It's strange. I hear like really aggressive music now, and it feels really tame. Like that mm-hmm. statement was almost made, and it's exhausted. Like the longer you yell, the more exhausted you get, and the less less provocative it is. It's almost that way to me. But now, but at the same time, then it was so. It seemed really pro- provocative and risque, and 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 exciting but um it's funny how those things you know play out in your life well i think yeah i hate god you know next to norwegian black metal was probably the last sort of major seismic shift that happened yeah in in metal music or heavy aggressive music period yeah it was kind of like this this elemental thing like you said um it's weird there was a couple of other bands like going on in taking like new wave or alternative sounds and like slowing them down with this sort of elemental like two chords just super slow like codeine and low and mm-hmm. all these people and then also i felt like i hate god was kind of doing the same thing and sleep like they would just take like that sort of bluesy stoner rock and just sort of break it down to this super elemental only the bare minimum um just just breaking these things down to their elemental forms, and it was really cool. Well, I think there's that, like, Dylan Carlson quote from Earth where he's, like, talking about that's why they named it Earth is because he wanted a band that was measured in terms of movements of planets. I'm, I'm yeah. butchering the quote now, but... <laughs> Sounds good to me, though. Yeah, exactly. I, I buy it. <laughs> but the idea that you're just like, yeah, you want to hear stuff, it's slower. You want to just break mm-hmm. it right down to, like, the, you know, have those those chords yeah. that take two minutes in between the changes. And, but when that change comes, it's, you just can't believe it. It just feels so good when that chord yeah. change finally hits. It's more, it's more vibey. Um, yeah. Um, and in that sense, I mean, speed is cool, but at the same time, you know, vibe and this heavy stuff felt, felt really powerful at the time. Still is. Well, you mentioned the Melvins and the Melvins are another band that, uh, you know, like are that same sort of like stripping it down, slowing it right down. Yeah. But, yeah. And deceptively simple, you know, with the Melvins, yeah. like it always comes and then you're like, oh no, that's incredibly complicated what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. They're super talented players. Um, and also not afraid to let the freak flag hang out. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were not afraid to get super weird, which was really fun because it was always unexpected. What You never knew what they were going to do, especially at their shows. So after you uh, graduated college, you uh, went to Florida, right? Yeah, I went to, down to Florida for this film production school. Um, yeah, and then ended up um, doing a lot more music in my spare time. Um, I don't know how, how that happened. You know, you just sort of get into things. <laughs> Were you able to kind of continue with, like following local music when you moved down to go to school in Florida? Um, like, was there a scene there? It's, it's kind of like I've always, you know, I know Florida's had, there's been lots of great stuff that's come out of Florida over the years, but I've always been curious about what the scene was like at that point. Um, you know, I wasn't really, it's strange because I could say that I wasn't really following it, but at the same time, most of my friends were people that were playing music. <laughs> it just didn't seem quite as organized as like coming from a place like Richmond and close yeah. to DC where those kind of things were 
Florida is kind of like that. It's just sort of anything goes. I mean, the the bar that we played in Miami was like uh, this place, Churchill's, which was like oh yeah, it was compared to like the bar in Star Wars, where like, <laughs> you know you never knew. It could be like some beautiful jazz one night, then the next night, rat bastard was you know making a racket. Um, <laughs> it was just anything goes, and that was kind of. I think it's kind of what's cool about Florida. I mean, you know, that that means there's stuff on every end of the spectrum for better or for worse, but I think it's pretty it's never boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Churchill's but, is like the CBGB's of Florida. Yeah, it basically yeah, basically is or it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, actually, you know, it's like well, yeah. once again like CBGB's, it's it's amazing how you know talking about like people finding scraps of pottery one day, people are going to look back and like, why did they save these cultural institutions? Like, yeah. yeah. Like you you think about all the people that would have played on Churchill's. It's like, that's where, you know, obviously, you know, everything you've done in music, that's where you started, but that's also where like all these crazy bands for since the eighties have been going through. So, you know, like it's that stage is just, you know, you can't, you can't replace that history. You can't manufacture that kind of history. Yeah, not really. That would be hard. But (laughs) yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's people recognize the value and they find spaces, whether those institutionalized kind of places like that stay or, you know, people will find someplace and the groups get smaller, but they're still just as concentrated. I feel like, you know, every, every, it seems like every bit of the technology is pushing you to a more private experience, but people need, you know, a, a social, a collective experience, mm-hmm. and they find it. Um, it might not be always as why you know it's like everyone going to the movie theater before they, you know, the invention of the TV, but and then you know people used to always go to shows. You would just it didn't matter who was playing you were going just to be part of the culture mm-hmm. um and i think it's less so now but it's still you know you still find your pockets yeah, but i think that going yeah and that going out forced you to listen to stuff that you might not otherwise listen to and expose definitely. you to things definitely for better or for worse yeah yeah for better or for worse you're right it wasn't always a positive experience <laughs> Those are those rose-colored glasses that uh, sometimes I tend to wear on this podcast. (laughs) Thinking back to hours and hours of terrible bands that I sat through at various music fests over the years. Um, They're out there. They're definitely out there. Um, What was it like first playing, you know, talk about uh, a trial by fire, like Churchill's, you know, it's it's an, an interesting crowd at at any night. So what was it like playing those first shows there? Uh, the first show I ever played was open up. I uh, opened up for that band Unsane. You remember them? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I tried to convince Mike and them to let me set up on the floor because I was too shy to get up on the stage. <laughs> but they're they like, "No, you you need to get up on the stage." Um, but um, the Unsane guys were really nice. I remember the drummer was sick I and mean, he kept throwing up into a bucket between shows or between songs. Oh. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, God. <laughs> but it was pretty punk rock though. <laughs> and then I would get up. So I got up and played my little quiet songs and they got up and rocked it out. How so did... that was a kind of, but though the bills, there were always eclectic like that and the fun. And, but everyone's kind of game. They kind of knew what to expect. 
Was it? Was it to ex- not to know what to expect? Let's say that. Was it just a random kind of pairing, or like were you an unsane fan at all? Or <laughs> I was aware of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, um, but then uh, I just I knew Mike, um, and he just sort of invited me. So because I was getting ready to put these records out, and he was he was a fan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was kind enough to let me do stuff. Um, I was also making music. I don't. You remember that band Cavity? Um, yeah came from miami called cavity but the singer renee bard was a real good friend of mine so we were making like um, instrumental music and we would play sometimes um, in between shows before rat bastard would <laughs> twist the knobs <laughs> did that did that project ever put out recordings at all no we were just playing it was more just improvised just having oh fun. that's awesome was there yeah. so it's just straight instrumentals what kind of was the vibe of it um it was sort of it was pretty, I don't know. I mean, I was just sort of fooling around. It was sort of like Neil Young meets Tortoise. I don't know, oh, however you describe that kind of post-rock, but with the uh, slide guitars and and Renee would either play the drums or twist knobs. and You know, it was just sort of whatever. It, it was just sort of a way to just do something, to just release some creative energy renee went on to like make like sound installations all kinds of stuff in miami on the art scene oh that's awesome because cavities i think you know one of the other one one of my favorite bands too yeah super underrated they they were great yeah miami's got a lot of it's always unexpected when they come from Miami, but when you're there, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got like that. It's got an amazing art scene too. Like for years, obviously now, because of yeah. the, it's got the South by Southwest of art festivals. But like definitely, but but it like for years, there's been yeah, really kind of amazing bands that have kind of have come out of that scene from all the way back to the Eat, the one mm-hmm. of the first Killed by Death bands from there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Marilyn Manson, all kinds of yeah. Not usually the prettiest music. No, <laughs> at the same no. time, they have something to say. Well, Florida, you know, Florida. Don't let Disneyland fool you. It's not the prettiest state, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, were you like you know? It keeps coming back to all these sort of like sludge bands. Were you were you a fan of sludge music and all that slower stuff that was happening at that time? Um, I mean, I was kind of into, by that time, I wasn't really like absorbing music the same way because I was making music, Yeah, you know? Yeah. I wasn't really absorbing things the same way. I mean, I, I, I love music, so I try to stay aware and keep up with what's happening just because I get inspired by, you know, new things. But I can't say I was following them like I used to follow, you know, R.E.M. and stuff like that back when i was absorbing music that way mm-hmm. um but i tried to stay try to stay hip man would you ever want to do like a, like a like a sludge band or like slower band or even do like more of that sort of improvised stuff that you did before again uh, yeah i mean i'm into whatever um i find that i only have so many hours in the day to do my own project <laughs> at the moment but I would never rule anything out because you never know where life will take you. Yeah, no, you never. Well, maybe, maybe you don't necessarily want to do a sludge band. Maybe, maybe things are going pretty good <laughs> in the path you've chosen. So don't take that. That'd be fun though. Well, I think it'd be awesome. Like you know, if you and your former roommate, and your former collaborator, all formed a band together, 
That's one <laughs> hell of a super group. <laughs> so many options. I'm saying, I, I'm, 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 and if you need a, if you need someone to yell in that microphone, that's you, man. I'm yeah. going to call you. I got your number now. You got my number. You can call me anytime. I'm ready to do that. <laughs> um, I, I thank you so much again for doing this and I won't keep you at too much longer because uh, I know you've got to run off and deal with family life. Thank you, Damien. Um, but I just kind of wanted to find out, uh, you know, of all the labels to kind of reach out and to to collaborate with you and to do stuff with you in the beginning, like Sub Pop, was that a label you were a fan of? Was it what were your oh yeah, of course. I mean, it was that? a it was a it was a super. I mean, it was a shock. I mean, I I kind of lost track of what they were doing. Um, uh, you know, after Nirvana and Ted and all the all of the red red meat stuff, I was that was some of my favorite stuff. Um, they had some wilderness years too, uh, but Redman Redman Meat is fucking awesome. They were amazing. I mean, I ended up, you know, making records and stuff with them because they were still a huge they're still a huge inspiration to me. But um I kind of lost track, but it, just to sort of assume that they were still doing, you know, heavy more heavy stuff. And so, you know, for them to get the music that I was making and call me up was a, you know, I was like, "You sure you got the right number?" <laughs> but um but they were um, then they sent me, you know, like the shins and stuff they had been signing and some other records that were, it made sense. And so, yeah, it was, a, it was super flattering and crazy to get a call from them, you know, cause I was such a big fan, such a big fan of what they were doing. Well, given your, you know, former musical, not former musical taste, but, uh, musical leanings other than the music you make and the other stuff you're into, you got to do a tour with piss jeans. <laughs> yeah yeah that's right yeah new age everybody yeah you got no yeah get, you got to get the sub pop tour back to go together again and get up yeah. the road. that's right yeah we get the they used to have vans the, the label bought tour vans they thought that would be a good idea it's like <laughs> sub pop written on the side you know they were trying to make this like real like you know we are a thing and these are our emissaries we're gonna I don't know, it was just so funny like someone thought that was a good idea but, well, they, um, <laughs> but well, that, yeah, they, I love that about the label too, that they always like, Jonathan is still such a huge fan of garage rock. I mean, that's always mm-hmm. going to be part of their identity and what they, what they support. Well, it's also, it's like they, that label's manifest destiny, you know, like they, they, they did it and like, sur- and survived so many uh, changes, but it's like, it's always like the yeah. love of music, but it's that kind of like you know, putting your vans out on the road in vans with your branding on it, like <laughs> yeah, flying over yeah. journalists to cover your label. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 They're, they're, they had they have big ideas. They're not, not afraid of ideas. That's for sure. Well, they got the space needle like painted with their <laughs> logo on it, you know, yeah. <laughs> they've done big things. Yeah. yeah. He was big. Yeah. They were always big. Uh, the the sort of home team they like that home team identity which has served them really well and it it's warm you know it's a warm feeling to be embraced embraced by by a city and let that sort of do half the promo work for you you know <laughs> in a certain way it's like it's really great i mean they were really smart to do that and it's really paid off well it, it just feels also like that's like a relic of a bygone era too like the fact that you would have local scenes and you know yeah. and, and like yeah. you, the minnesota sound and sst and like yeah. all the dc band uh, punk rock bands you know they all sort of had their regional identities and sub pop really you know took that as a model mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I would love to talk to you again at some point in the future, Sam. If you want to come back for a part two anytime, the door is Sounds always great, open. man. Sounds great. Um, thank you, Damien. Thank you. Thank you, Sam, for coming on the show. And Sam will be hopefully back for a part two at some point in the future. And, you know, hopefully also we'll take another venture down that sludge rock path and put out that great sludge rock record we know he has in him. Because, man, that guy, a lot of connections to that sludgy, doomy stuff that I love so much, you know? Maybe that's me projecting that onto him, but, like, no. No, he was, like, uh, roommates with a guy from Alabama Thunderpussy, so I'm not putting that on him. He, he's into that stuff. He keeps finding it, you know? It's, it's faded. Speaking of faded, next week on the show, we are fated to have another amazing episode Chris Freeman of the legendary Pansy Division is on the show. Uh, An artist who I met as a young person and was so cool to my brother and myself and all our friends and just, you know, kind of set me really on this path that I'm on. There were a few artists that I met, you know, at pivotal points in my life and just the way they treated people, the way they acted – the way they carry themselves, I think, really informed, hopefully, the way that I try and carry myself and the way I do that. But, you know, who knows if I'm actually doing it. But Chris Freeman definitely did. That is next week on the show. This is a great episode. A lot about Seattle, a side of Seattle music that we don't talk about very often on the show. It's such a good one. That is next week on the show. Don't miss it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Go out there and make your own culture. Anyone can do this stuff. Because, uh, you know, might as well fill that content bubble till it bursts. And then, you know, bask in the glorious explosion of content. Uh, That's it. Till next week. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Love you. Goodbye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.